Don't touch that dial. You're listening to Board Games Daily, your daily dose of tabletop gaming discussion on Anchor. Now welcome your hosts, Jeremiah Isley, Scott Firestone, and AJ Skifstad. Hey everyone, welcome to Board Games Daily. Thanks for tuning in on this Friday, January 25th. Can you believe Christmas was one month ago? What is happening? Anyway, <laughs> we've got a great show for you today, including a first impression of Hong Kong Blackout, or Blackout Hong Kong, whichever way you want to say it correctly. Anyway, <laughs> we also have... Uh, another drop in about this week's topic of minis versus cardboard. And uh, we'll see what else we get into today. Before we get going, though, got to remind you that you can call in and be a part of the show at 216-352-3864. Also, head over to theologyofgames.com. The landing page there will take you to a contest if you so choose, in which you can go ahead and try to win a copy of Star Realms Frontiers and Hero Realms from White Wizard Games. So that's a pretty cool thing. You only have till February 1st, actually January 31st at 11.59 p.m. is the cutoff to get in on that. So don't delay. We'll be giving away those games very soon. And I think that's all I've got for today's intro. So let's get into the show right now. Hey folks, it's Firestone here talking about the topic of the week, which is um, the question that AJ and Jeremiah talked about was whether miniatures games are kind of killing card games. And their examples were things like Mansions of Madness, there's no more Call of Cthulhu. There's a Game of Thrones miniatures game now, and there's no more uh, Game of Thrones LCG, I don't think. Anyway, things like Star Wars, um, Imperial Assault, and now the card game is mostly dead. Things like that happening. And now Fantasy Flight is coming out with this new miniatures uh, Lord of the Rings game. And would that signal the end of the Lord of the Rings the living card game, which is one of our favorite games. The whole, All three of us, we just love that game. So one of the things that AJ brought up was something I'd, I'd thought about but hadn't thought about in the context of this discussion and that is the cost of both of these for me i'm kind of lamenting this this onset of miniatures gaming because i think it is increasing the cost of this hobby and not um that's going to be prohibitive for, for new people coming into it it's prohibitive for me to keep up with things so i've always used the example of blood rage which is a fine area control game solid game but if it had been brought out as a euro that's exactly what it would be it would be a a solid euro but people love blood rage and why i think it's because of the miniatures the miniatures are do not get me wrong they're amazing and especially some of the painted ones i've seen are just gorgeous and i have i have the game myself and i would love to paint those miniatures and they look great but at, at the end of the day the core game itself is just kind of an area control game and those those miniatures increase the price. I noticed the same thing with Rising Sun. There was this elaborate miniature. I can't remember what it was now, but it was just incredibly huge and elaborate. And I can't imagine how much it added to the game cost-wise. And when you put it on the board, it was another one of your priests. That's it. 
So we have it's it's almost like the most expensive reminder chit in the world these miniatures games. And so we see games now that are coming out with higher MSRPs because publishers are able to um they know that people will pay that and they're just increasing exponentially these costs for themselves and then passing it on to you the customer. And so I don't like the way that's sending the hobby. I've talked about this before. Some companies just overcharge for things. Z-Man is notorious for this. I just picked up the experimental meds expansion for Pandemic the Cure. It was a, a number of dice, some cards, and the MSRP is $50 on that. That is what the MSRP would be on a major Euro game just a few years ago. And now, like the base MSRP is $70 or $80 on these with not that much stuff. And I blame miniatures games. I do blame also the, just the increased cost of production. But I think these games are, are just upping the price of things. So anyway, all that to say, one of the things that I hadn't thought about is... Uh, so I almost got the starter set for the Arkham Horror living card game. I'd heard great things. It was on sale uh, right around Christmas. And I mean, it was in my cart. I was ready to pull the trigger. And I just thought, I can't do this. I can't add that much cost to my life right now because once I get that, then I'm going to want to pick up all the expansion packs. And then they have the major expansion packs and deluxe packs. I mean, I've gone through this with Lord of the Rings. I haven't gotten a new Lord of the Rings uh, living card game expansion in probably years because I can't keep up. So I was like, why am I jumping into this? The end up end cost of this is going to be so much. So I'm considering that and then lamenting the fact that these miniature games are so much. But at the end of the day, they're kind of comparable. Like if I jump on a Kickstarter that's $120, $130, how is that any different than jumping on a affordable LCG that will over the course of time cost at least that much, if not more? And I think we convince ourselves that it's not that bad because it's amortized over months and you know, you're only paying a little bit at a time. But the truth is that you're sometimes paying more. This is kind of a rambling thing, but it's just me working through the thought of, I'm kind of upset at these miniatures games, but at the end of the day, other games are doing the same thing, but in a sneaky way that doesn't make you think about it. So, I don't know. What do you think about this? Do you think that miniatures games are killing card traditional card games or upping the price or do you disagree agree with any of this talk to us about it we'd love to have this discussion with you thanks for listening bye this one is fresh off the game table it's time for more board game buzz as board games daily gives you a first impression of the latest games to hit our tables Hey everyone, it's Firestone. We're coming to you with a first impression this week. Got to play a couple games. I played my second game of Coimbra, which is a solid game that I'm afraid has a single path that you have to follow, among doing other things, to succeed. We'll see if that's true or not. But the first impression I want to talk about is a game I've been super excited to try. It is by Alexander Pfister, and it's called Blackout Hong Kong. And one of the reasons... I've been so excited is because of the theme. We have lots and lots of games about trading in Europe or buying things in Europe or just doing things in Europe. 
and um, including Coimbra, which I just mentioned. But um, when I heard about this, I thought, oh, that sounds like such a cool theme. And the idea is that Hong Kong has had some kind of massive, I don't know if it was an EMP or what, I didn't read the flavor text of the rule book, but there's been some kind of massive blackout. The whole city is down for an extended period, and you players are people trying to bring things back up to speed, restore power, get people food, help them, do things like that. But you're trying to be the best at it. And I think the idea is that if you're the best at it, then maybe you'll have a position of power once the city is actually restored. Whatever. It sounded cool. I thought the idea of this just was so different. And I was excited about it, despite the fact that I've not been a huge Alexander Pfister fan. Uh, I think... Mombasa was good, but I, it was it was I don't I don't really have a lot of desire to play it again. Great Western Trail is a game I feel like I should like more than I do. Um, I think it's fine, but I was just overwhelmed my first time, so I was mucking in with a little bit of trepidation. My impression is that it's an okay game. It's just okay for me. It well, first of all, the MSRP on this thing is seventy dollars, and it is. A just standard euro. There are some cards. There are three wood, wooden dice. And some wooden cubes. And some chits. There is nothing extravagant about this. There are no miniatures. There is nothing over the top about this. And it's 70 dang dollars. That is crazy. But the problems start with the design. Now, understandably, a game about a blackout doesn't work in the game's favor when it comes to the aesthetic because the board is mostly black with some lines kind of outlining uh, districts, I guess you'd call them. And they're, they're not, it's just boring. It's like a blackboard with these, with these lines across it. And there are colored dots across it, um, noting places where you can put down some kind of influence. The problem is two of the colors are purple and blue. And if you're colorblind, trust me, those colors look very similar. I'm colorblind and I was having a hard time. I was having to ask people, is that blue or purple? Blue. Ah, oh, dang it. And so it was just starting off the bat there. It wasn't great. Um, some of the other design choices were crazy to me. Like the cards are trying to convey two different pieces of information because you get cards and put them in front of you. And then in order to actually put them into your hand as kind of a deck builder, you have to complete some kind of objective to do it. But it's like they didn't have room on some of the cards for all the information. So it's kind of smushed in there and you're not sure what part you're supposed to be paying. And it's very confusing and not very well done. And then there are other choices like uh, there are different resources you get every turn. There's food and water and things like that. And like the book and the gas can icon, they look very, very similar. You have to squint and look really close. And that's on the board. There are these tiny chits you're looking at that you're kind of searching for. You'll scout out for stuff across the, the blackout, blacked out city of Hong Kong. And you'll pick one of these up and you go, I can't tell. Is that a, is that a book? Is that a, a gas can? And my eyes aren't terrible, but I, like all of us had a hard time distinguishing this. I have no idea why they would just some of the design choices were just insane to me. So the theme, while I was excited about it, does not really come through. You're basically playing a blue card to get X resource to turn it into Y character or objective. You never feel like you're actually going out into the city and helping and restoring power. Other than one of the phases that's called scouting, 
but is kind of, I mean, there's like a stack of chits and you pick it up and you can look at it and then maybe you can spend enough influence to get that thing. But I never felt like I was actually doing the things I was supposed to be doing in the game. It was just like engine turn. Here's a blue card. Was it represent? I don't know. Every turn, the resources are different. You roll these dice and on some turns you'll roll uh, blue will be food and other turns a blue might be water and another turn blue might be the book and so you're playing these resources down oh this turn it's food so i'm going to play this down to get some food that i'm going to use to um turn into this character that i need to put into my hand and the theme is just not practically non-existent there's card management you're playing down one card into three different stacks and then at the end of the turn most turns you're picking up the largest stack and putting it back into your hand. And that's kind of a weird mechanism. I think he, he it's like a riff on his Mombasa card mechanism, but I think it's better done in Mombasa. And even more importantly, it's better done in the recently recent game Newton, which has great card management. I love the card management in that. And this it just kind of felt like uh, I don't know. No, this isn't this isn't good. I if you wanted to, you could basically play your most powerful card down every turn in the same stack and then pick that stack up. It's kind of weird. Overall, it's just another Fister that game that is not for me. Basically, the way I think about this is all of his games, I wish they had like 75% of the complexity they do. As it is, there's just too much going on. I feel overwhelmed and I like heavy Euros. I mean, arguably, Newton is just as heavy as this. And some people think that it's heavier than any of Fister's games. We talked about this at my game night. They think, they're like, you don't think Newton's very complex? And I don't know what the difference is, but I feel overwhelmed playing his games. And if they were 25% less complex, I feel like they'd be stronger. And I don't like complexity that just comes from the sheer number of options and things to do. I don't, that's not necessarily complex and meaty to me it's just kind of what are you doing you're throwing everything at me and hoping that i can make something out of it it's one of those games where you'll never be able to figure out where exactly you went wrong oh on this one turn if i had done this thing differently i could have won no there's a thousand different choices and options that you could do right or wrong every turn and i'm not just saying this because i actually won blackout hong kong so in this case it's not me it's not just sour grapes or oh i didn't have a good experience because i because i lost i won and I still didn't really enjoy it. I was bummed. I wanted to like this game thematically. It's so unique and cool. But Blackout Hong Kong, not for me. But you might like it. Have you played it? Let us know. Let us know your thoughts on that and other Fister games. Like I said, I feel like I should like Great Northern or Great Western Trail way more than I do. And I want to give it more chances. But I'm not sure in my busy life I'm going to have a chance to do that. So... There's your first impression, Blackout Hong Kong. Have a great weekend. Bye. Well, that's going to do it for another episode of Board Games Daily. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for being a part of the show. Don't forget, call in and be on the show. 216-352-3864. Coming up next week, we've got a special guest coming on the show on Monday. Our friend Gamer Leaf will be on the show. We'll bring you the results of this week's cage <laughs> game night cage fight. We'll kick off another one on Monday. All that and more coming at you next week. 
Don't forget to find us on social media at Board Games Daily on Twitter or at Theology of Games on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And of course, don't forget Patreon. You can do that thing over on theologyofgames.com and the contest. The contest is happening still. Be a part of it by heading to theologyofgames.com. Click on the link there to get to the contest. All right, we'll see you next week. Until then, I'm Jeremiah Isley saying for my co-hosts, AJ Skifstad and Scott Firestone, why don't you go play some games? Thanks for joining us today. Board Games Daily is powered by TheologyofGames.com. Don't forget to head over to TheologyofGames.com to check out all we have to offer, including written reviews, our YouTube channel, and two other podcasts. If you enjoyed this show, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you're listening. Thanks for listening, and go put a game on the table.